to the feckin' Check-in show We might be playing Tekken In the techno Chrome with Shredder I spent your banana Donatello The boys are back in town again Shenanigans from QO Man, the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends To listen to the sound of us Pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in Then do it for the win The sun shines But I find myself in isolation But fear not We've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows Are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy show It's cameras action do The feckin' check-in So check your feckin' pulses Lentils, soybeans, chickpeas Whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders Or piss politics Just sit back and relax We got your weekly fix It's the feckin' check-in show Welcome to the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show Welcome to the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show It's cameras act, it's cameras act, it's cameras action do It's cameras act, it's cameras act, it's cameras action do It's cameras act, it's cameras act, it's cameras action do It's cameras action do Alright Feckamaniacs, welcome to episode 17 of the Feckin' Check-In. My name is Trainer. with me as always is my co-host Toomey, and with us in our Noah's Ark series this week, he's guest number three, it's Peter McCormack, you might know him from his Bitcoin podcast, What Did Bitcoin Do? He also has a politics podcast called, shit, I I got that wrong. No, you're going to keep going with it now, you can't edit this. (laughs) You've got to keep rolling man, you've got to let the shit come out of it. I'm sorry, I'm just back from a trip away at the weekend. (laughs) you might know him from his bitcoin podcast what bitcoin did he also has a politics podcast called defiance and he is the number one uh, downloaded bitcoin podcast in the world so he often has bitcoin experts on uh, regularly and he is the host of that that he presents on his own so you're very welcome to the show peter yeah man such a such a big show that you didn't even get the name right i mean come on (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna call this your show to my friends the fucking chucking <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just back from a weekend away, and we are uh, recording. Um, How much did you have to drink? And I, I was, uh, oh, quite a lot. Yeah, quite a lot. I was up in Belfast for the weekend, so um, it was, uh, it was a heavy one. Yeah, and I must apologize. I'm always trying to shoehorn Bitcoin into our podcast. Our podcast is meant to be like comedy about uh, various different things, but I've already had uh, Andre- Andreas Antonopoulos. I made him come on, for- <laughs> and also yourself, Peter. You so, had Andreas uh, on. I have. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Damn. Well, that's a get. I mean, Andreas is the real deal. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was a, like he was really generous with his time, and we were even smaller than we are, are now. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, thank you as well to, to you for coming on. All right, man. Good stuff. Okay, so this is the feckin' check in. On the feckin' check in, we use F E C K as an acronym. We talk about funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. Peter obviously has two podcasts, so we're going to start with the E for entertainment. So, we'd like to discuss what Bitcoin did and just basically. Talk us through, how did you get started on doing a podcast about Bitcoin? I checked uh, on Spotify there recently, so the earliest episodes I could find were from November 2017. Is that when you started, or is that just the the most uh, the earliest updated episodes on Spotify? Yeah, no, no, it's that's the oldest one, man. I, November 17, um, I started it. I was uh, going through a, like a really weird time in my life. Like I'd got divorced and... Um, uh, quit my job in London and I was actually in Ireland traveling a lot. My mum was sick, uh, traveling to Ireland, going to Sligo quite a bit because uh, that's where she's be, being treated. And then um, I got to know this other dude at a podcast who lives out in LA and I was out there with a friend and I popped around to see him and I'd been like 
buying Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And, and I just said, look, dude, I'm thinking of doing a podcast. And he was like, uh, all right, cool. This is the equipment you need. This is how easy it is. So I just ordered all the gear on Amazon and did an interview the next day. And that was it, man. It was, it was really like, there was no really th real thought to it. Mm. And I'm wondering around that time, 2017, were there many other Bitcoin podcasts around or were you kind of unique? No, there were, I mean, there was a big show by this uh, girl called Laura Shin. It was a fantastic show. I used to listen to it um, like religiously called uh, Unchained. And um, that was kind of like the main show. And there were a couple of others that, that were dotted about. Um, I don't know if there, anyone was really taking it like seriously, like treating it treating it like a, a media company rather than a hobby um, outside of her. Um, but she's more broad cryptocurrency, which, which even though it's called what Bitcoin did, is that that's what I did to begin with. And then about a year and a half ago, I just kind of made it Bitcoin only. Oh, yeah. I, I can appreciate that. Get rid of those altcoins. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Just another question then, mm -hmm. uh, Peter. Um, did you decide earlier early on that you wanted your podcast to be a guest-based podcast or – had you played around with different ideas to maybe talk about Bitcoin yourself or like, did, did you think interviewing guests from the get go would be the best approach? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was guests from day one. I was always going to do, do that. Um, there's so many like rabbit holes with Bitcoin. You've got the economic side, you've got politics, um, you've got kind of game theory, you've got the technical side. And I'll be honest, I'm just a bit of a moron. So I'm not the kind of person you want to ask for, that's the big questions about Bitcoin, like technically where it should go or economically why, um, you know, why Austrian economics in the theory, like why, why Bitcoin suits Austrian economics theory. And yeah, that's stuff like, look, I can't even say it. Um, so, but I, I think I'm pretty good at asking questions uh, and, and drawing guests into answering the questions that not the experts want to hear, just people like me who, who haven't got much time. So, yeah, it, it was always from day one just going to be a guest-based show, and, and I've been fortunate to speak to nearly everybody um, in Bitcoin, which is you know amazing, really. Can I ask a question actually specifically about guests? So, did you find there was a correlation between the types of guests and their level of uh, prominence in the Bitcoin world, uh, and the increase in downloads or popularity of your show, or was it just kind of a natural progression, the growth of your show? I mean, I think that's two two different things. The, sh the show has grown steadily. Um, all the way through. You, I mean, I don't know how it goes for you guys. You never really get the overnight success with a podcast. Even if you have an explosive day, people don't naturally just come back. You have to just grind it out week after week and then months pass and the years pass and you finally got this decent-sized audience. What I did notice at the beginning is having the best guests made a difference, but now I've got to a certain level. There's... I've noticed actually there's more of a correlation between if I have finance people who are interested in Bitcoin, so I have a, an economist or a trader or an investor, those show, shows now will usually outperform, say, the biggest, most you know, well-known, say, Bitcoin coder. And I think the reason is, is that not as many people care about the tech behind it. It's like, you know, with your iPhone, you don't give a fuck how it works. It just works. And I... um I was about to ask, could I swear on your show? Uh, you sure Absolutely. fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but like, but there's a lot of people invested who hope to make a profit on Bitcoin. And, and so I just think the finance people have a wider reach. So I would say over the last year, it's the finance people who've made, who, who are the biggest draw. Okay, good stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I noticed recently. Sorry, trainer. Yeah, you had um, the modern monetary theory. I can't say it either. Yeah, <laughs> and you had the the gold expert Peter Schiff on. Is like so? Is that is that a a kind of thing that you're doing now? That you're moving away from Bitcoin experts towards economics experts? Is that something you're kind of looking at? I'm. I, you know, what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to mix it up because, like I say, like I've had. I've been so lucky like for to have like everybody in Bitcoin on the show which is amazing but and the show's you know done really well but I think the next step is like how do you how do you break out into new audiences and 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 wider conversations and I think therefore it's important to start talking to people who are almost like competitors in some ways when I say competitors I mean theoretical competitors like Peter Schiff is a gold bug right doesn't like bitcoin that is a theoretical that's theoretically competition to to bitcoin in some ways even though some people might hold both mmt as a modern monetary theory is is essentially theoretically competitive to uh, austrian economics so so yeah i'm trying to have these people on one to learn from them because i'm not an absolutist but two because i'm trying to reach other audiences who may show an interest in in bitcoin or may be curious um, and then in other ways, talking to these other people is a way of like sharpening your own tool shed. Sorry, sharpening your own tools when you want to debate Bitcoin. Yeah, I can really appreciate that because it kind of gets you out of that echo chamber mm. of, of you saying Bitcoin is great and your guests come down and say, yeah, Bitcoin is great. And then like you want to, I suppose it's better to to grow Bitcoin to, to new audiences. Um, yeah. Excellent stuff. Okay, so that's um, your uh, podcast, What Bitcoin Did. Uh, not What Did Bitcoin Do. Uh, <laughs> thank you for giving us those answers what, there. What did those Bitcoins do? Um, kind of, kind of means the same thing. What did it do? What it did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so we just wanted to move on. So we, we talk about funny observations on this. Actually, I'd just like to let you know you're third in a series of podcasters who has appeared on this show. So we're doing a series, a small arc uh, around podcasting. So we had a, a film podcast uh, guest on a couple of weeks ago. We had, uh, Toomey tells me you're an Iron, Iron Maiden fan, actually. So we had, um, yeah, man. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast Talking Maiden, have you? No, I haven't. Okay. That sounds like something I would like. Though. Well, we had the host, uh, one of the two hosts of Talking Maiden on uh, last week, and now we have um, you on, uh, so you're a third guest in this series. And uh, Noah's Ark. Yes, Noah's Ark, we've called it crudely. <laughs> um, and uh, so we've been asking podcasters for funny observations in relation to podcasting. So uh, do you have anything that you've noticed as a podcaster uh, over the years that comes up again and again, something interesting, it can be funny compute funny peculiar it could be funny absurd is there anything that you've noticed uh, during the process of podcasting that has come up time and again that you would like to mention uh yeah i don't know if i have any funny things so i used to do as many as mine in person as possible so i'd go off for three weeks fly to america go around and record a bunch and come back and now i'm having to do them remotely because of this covid bullshit um and i would say in-person interviews are infinitely better, higher quality and easier to do because you have that full peripheral vision when you're with someone. They can tell when you want to speak and interrupt, which is a little bit harder online. Um, I mean, we've got these pop filters in the way and, and, and things. Um, so, so that's that's been in, I've like I've had to learn to change how I do interviews over Zoom. That's one thing. Um, also, another interesting thing is like. 
you you have to work on your craft. And Joe Rogan talked about this recently. You kind of really have to work on your craft, know how to construct an interview, how to build an interview, how to pace it, you know, the type of good questions, what are bad questions. Sometimes you might have a guest who doesn't give long answers. So you really have to work on your craft. And a lot of people start podcasts. And I th- and having spoken to people, I think people think it's a lot easier than it is. They're like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and make a shitload of money and get, and get a big audience. And it's not it's not easy. Um, other things I've noticed is that once you get going, the time goes really quickly. Suddenly you've been going a year. Shit, suddenly it's two years. Like, shit, no, it's going to be three years. Um, that uh, That's, I mean, I, I don't have anything funny <laughs> to tell you because I don't really make a funny podcast. <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> I make a Bitcoin well, podcast. and uh, that, th- that throws uh, people sometimes and that's fair enough. But uh, interesting is funny as well, you know. Uh, yeah, funny peculiar as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, what kind of things, give me an example for you. And then I, I'll kind of know what you're talking okay. about. Okay, um, so, so here's one from us. Um, we find that when we record an episode, sometimes especially with a guest, um, that we sometimes tend to listen back to it and put ourselves in the shoes of maybe the guest listening back and, and think, what would that person be thinking now? This is our finished product. I wonder how this sounds to them. And you all, almost try to listen to it from another person's perspective. We visualize yeah. it. Oh, man. I can't listen back to mine because I hate... Do you not have it? I mean, you know that thing where everybody hates, hates their own voice? You, you like play it and you're like, fuck, yeah. I sound like a moron. Have I got any friends? <laughs> like, w- why would anyone listen to this bollocks? Because I... I and I know everyone thinks that, but like I genuinely think that more than anyone else. I think I sound like a fucking dick. Okay, yeah. But- do you have? Do you have? Well, no, because you're Irish, and every Irish guy sounds cool. Does that happen for Irish people? No, I don't. I pretty much sound like a dick as well. And I, I, we've noticed that trainer speaks like with a radio voice, like kind of clear and articulate. And I'm more like, uh, uh, like I, I mispronounce words all the time and stuff like that as well. So I think everyone has their own style. I tell you something I have noticed, actually. I've just remembered now. I can't listen to interviews normally now because what I do is I hear the things I hate about my own interviews. So, for example... I didn't know how often people say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and now, whenever I listen to an interview, all I hear is, you know, yeah, you know, this, you know. And it just does my fucking nutting. And it's made me try and get it out of my language, like my user language. Yeah. But I know what it is. It's a bridge between sentences, right? Like, or, or right, mm. you say rights as well. But you have those things, rights, you know, that are bridges between sentences. And it, it really, or another thing I've noticed. Um, I've started doing these podcasts which are more story-based for Defiance where you narrate something. And there's this really funny thing is that we did it and then we wanted to do some edits. And if you do it, record it at a different time of the day, your voice can sound really quite different. So I've started noticing now on audiobooks where the person's voice changes. I'm like, they did that on a different day. Just weird things like that. That's that's very interesting insight. I haven't noticed that, but I certainly have noticed between different episodes that my voice can change significantly. Uh, sometimes it sounds much deeper. Sometimes it sounds sometimes it sounds clearer. Sometimes it sounds just quite different. And it's obviously me speaking all the time. But yeah, I, had, I hadn't noticed the time uh, difference. So that's one to look out for. All right. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Could I just ask you a completely different question, uh, Peter? I've noticed in your podcast that you've mentioned a few times that you've tried to explain Bitcoin to your friends uh, with limited success. And I'm the guy in our uh, friends group 
who in 2017 with the Bitcoin bubble, I went around like a madman for, for about a month trying to get people on board. But I think I lost a lot of credibility because the, the price kind of went down and I was too focused on the price at that time. How, I'm just wondering, how have you found it kind of, uh, how have your friends who are not really into Bitcoin, have they kind of gotten on board or how have you sort no. of explained it to those people? No, no. and I don't, think they, I don't think they like me anymore because <laughs> like I put a lot of stuff up on Facebook, right? This yeah. is why you need scarce assets. This is why gold's important. This is why Bitcoin's important. I think they're all fucking bored of it. The reality is for most people is their Bitcoin decision is if I buy it now, am I going to make money? And most people are that leap from it's this magic internet money to hold on. This is censorship resistant, seizure resistant, hedge against inflation. It's a huge leap. Like it's a massive <laughs> yeah. leap to get them there. And it's too difficult. It's too hard to get people there. I've tried so often. And then by the time you get them there, they're like, oh, well, it's like £8,000. It's too expensive. I'm not buying it. And, and so I've kind of come to this conclusion that people will find it when they need it or if they need it. But but trying to convince them, it's just a waste of time. And you're just that twat. Like you go into that group it's vegans crossfit people and bitcoiners right you just they're yeah. like they're like the three three pillars of being a twat what was the middle one there so yeah. uh vegan crossfit and oh, crossfit. bitcoin yeah. <laughs> yeah and when i got into bitcoin i was a vegan as well oh <laughs> you, you used the past tense there you're no longer a vegan no you know when mum i did it with my mum when she was sick um because she did it because it's kind of like cutting out meat and sugar and things to help you and uh, after she, you know, it's like an island. Like when somebody dies, like next day, body's in the house, and everyone comes around the house with sandwiches. Of course, and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for the wake, right? And yeah, you know, I was used to making all the vegan stuff with my mum, and the next day, like all these sandwiches came around. Obviously, no one made a it's an island, right? You don't get a vegan sandwich, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but there were like vegetarians one with cheese. I was like, oh fuck it, I'll have the cheese. And then about a year later, I was like, well fuck it, I'll, I'll have the bacon. It's funny because um, we did an episode, we did a previous podcast called Open Us just. Before before this and the concept was to do something new every week that we'd never done before and one of the episodes was to turn vegan for a week and um, I found that I actually went I went 17 days straight being a vegan I took to it easily enough uh, Toomey had more of a difficult journey but it's had lasting effects more on Toomey than it has on me I pretty much went back to my eating habits that I had before and Toomey has now eaten partially vegan uh, most weeks well, well it's just it's just the, the freedom I have now I know now I can have a vegan day or a vegan meal and I don't like I don't go crazy that there isn't meat on my plate mm. like before I, I would have to overcompensate and have five back packets of crisps or something because in the back of my mind it would be like I need meat um, but yeah like that's so that so trying to be vegan for a week changed my mindset and actually freed me up well I, um, I, I mean I did the two years and and I, but I've been a vegetarian like at various points in my life for almost 15 years I think at different points and and I, I really enjoyed it but I, I, it was when I, I wasn't working, so I had a lot of time to make my food. I was running a lot, and it just kind of like the timing was right. Um, but I could easily go back. I, I mean, I, you can do some great vegan food now. Most restaurants have an option these days. Um, yeah, I mean, there's and there's some really great like vegan burgers, right? They're really nice. They're all right. Yeah, yeah. Beyond Meat uh, comes to mind. Those are yeah. pretty meaty. <laughs> pretty meaty <like. laughs> I think we, we'd all probably agree with our different experiences that if we wanted to go on a vegan diet for two weeks we could easily do it and personally I, I couldn't have done that before I tried being vegan for a whole week I just I had a mental block around it um, 
But anyway, that's completely <laughs> off topic. Uh, I was going to ask you as well, like w- when you first heard about Bit- Bitcoin, Peter, I, fe- I felt when I first heard about it, I had a compulsion to explain to people. And I, and I know we, we talked a bit about this, but I, can you relate to that where you kind of, you, fi- you figured out some new information and you just want to tell people in the pub and yeah. you actually have to, to stop yourself after a while. Um, I just want to add that bit in. Um, well, yeah, I mean, so I discovered Bitcoin because someone told me you can buy cocaine online with it. Yeah. So I was like, what? Because <laughs> I, I used to do a lot of drugs. I don't do drugs anymore now. But my friend was like, yeah, there's this website where you can buy uh, drugs with uh, Bitcoin. I was like, what? No, no, you can just buy drugs. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, you have to use this thing called Bitcoin. I was like, I think I've heard of that. He's like, yeah, it's on the dark web. You download this browser, you buy some Bitcoin, and it's like Amazon. And the really cool thing is that the um, all the s- sellers are rated. So nobody sells you crap. So it's like, so basically you buy really good cocaine online with Bitcoin. So that's how I discovered it. And then, of course, I was telling everyone, I was like, check out this website. In- um, inspiring story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it didn't work out well. I know of somebody who holds a, a Bitcoin reserve just to buy drugs online. And then I actually, my follow-up question to he or she was um <laughs> how does it get through the mail and i learned recently that it's triple vacuum packed so that uh, gets through pretty much everything um, so that's the answer to that one <laughs> very well, good well so that was the amazing thing so what you what you did is you ordered it to your house it usually turned up in something that looked like an amazon package um and it was triple vac sealed and you just put a different name on it so when it turns up you it, you know because it wouldn't be coming under your name if it got intercepted. It's, like, it's got nothing to do with me. And um, but the problem with that also is I used to work from home, so so the post would come at like eleven o'clock, and I'd be like, oh shit, just go have a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> just have a, have a little bit. I mean, I, you know, just to like transparency like i ended up um like a, a bit of a uh, like had an addiction problem with it so okay so i'm like six seven years uh, clean now would we'll never touch this shit again but it is just kind of yeah. funny to look back at that well, that's good to hear that you're uh, six or yeah. seven years clean anyway uh light at the end of the tunnel yeah, there and, and at least you weren't buying those drugs on the street where it's, it's so much more dangerous as well so oh no i was doing that yeah. as well <laughs> oh you're doing that as well okay <laughs> Grand. Well, you're seven years sober and clean, so that's that's the ending there to that story. <laughs> Good stuff there, uh, Peter. Cheers for those in- interesting anecdotes. And uh, so we're going to move on now to the culture part of the podcast. So this is the C and the FEC acronym. So do you think, uh, is there a Bitcoin culture emerging at the moment? Is there something you can use? Let's say you were explaining it to, to a friend or you're trying to explain it to somebody. Is there a culture attached to it? Is there a kind of um, commonalities between Bitcoin experts or Bitcoin uh, enthusiasts or anything you could kind of frame as a culture? I would say amongst vocal prominent Bitcoin personalities, there there is. I would say I, I couldn't say that about every Bitcoin because I think a lot of people are just buying it as an investment. But amongst prominent vocal people, I think there is this this like distrust and dislike of the state and government and central banking because of all of you know all the especially now you see the money printing. Money printing drives leads to inflation. Inflation is a hidden tax on your wealth, which most people don't realize. But also just so much corruption in government these days. I mean, they just literally do what the fuck they want. And 
So you get a lot of libertarians uh, who are into Bitcoin. A lot of Bitcoiners are libertarians. Um, and I guess that exists. That certainly exists as a culture. There's also, there's like a subculture who are carnivores who just only eat meat and they hate modern art. And they talk about low time preference. They think, you know, modern society is built on high time preference. We just get money, we spend it and buy cheap shit, shit, you know, clothes and shit cars that just don't last long because money is money is losing value. So just spend it before. There's like this no, no incentives to save. But I think the libertarian side and this like distrust of the state is, is a quite prominent thing. I mean, I'm there now. I wouldn't vote anymore. Um, although I struggle, I struggle to think a better option than democracy. But I, I do have this kind of issue with the state. It's a group of unqualified people voted in out of a choice of two who get to decide how you get to live your life um, in certain ways, you know, and there's, yeah, it's really opened my eyes to certain things. Like, for example, how dumb it is. We don't have free speech laws. Like you can sue somebody for saying words and, and things like that. So that have just, you know, things I've, that have definitely changed since I discovered Bitcoin. So, so um, a libertarian and ism really is distrust of the government. You want no government involvement whatsoever in social life is that is that it or, or how, how do you understand libertarianism because i think the listener here might not understand that yeah so i mean the key things that libertarians and there's different types you know there's some who who would call themselves perhaps minarchists who believe in the smallest government possible but the kind of the, the one of the main components is um property rights in that you have a right to your own property. No one has a right to that, which means your money and your income that you earn cannot be taxed because tax is essentially theft. It is a, a gang of politicians saying, we, you have to give us this. And if you don't give us this, we're going to arrest you and we're going to put you in jail or we're going to fine you and we're going to spend that money how we want, which is essentially, let's say it's say it was 50% of all income, 50% of the time you're working, you're working for the government. Um, so that's a key pillar. Um, and, and the kind of the, the distrust or dislike for government basically comes down to the centralized management and redistribution of money is usually quite poorly done. Um, and then there's other things like the non-aggression principle, whereby you know you'll live your life without harming others. Um, I'm not any. There, there are better. There are better libertarians you could talk to, and you should talk to. Will explain it a lot better than me. Uh, I, I take an interest in it. I find libertarian libertarianism interesting. I, but I do struggle to imagine a society without a state. And maybe I've got Stockholm syndrome. But I just feel like, would we head into chaos? Will everyone respect non-aggression principle? Will everyone respect property rights? Uh, I struggle to see how you operate without some framework of rules and if you don't have a free and if you have a framework of rules how they governed but i like directionally moving towards less government how can we have less government how do we get there what are the things we can get rid of what do they do that's stupid i mean i'm not a socialist and i think and i believe like the the way government currently redistributes income i think is pretty poor pretty poorly done and too many i'll give you a, a, just a stupid example is that during the lockdown we were flying people in in the uk uh, in, from Europe into the UK for fruit and veg picking because they couldn't have find people here to do the jobs. Yet we have people on unemployment benefits. That that it, that says to me that's a system which is broken. Mm. 
Yeah, and we have similar things here with the coronavirus in that banning travel from Ireland to, to different countries. And then there's people coming in from America and all over Europe, really, to, to visit. And so so I, I understand that, the kind of the inefficiencies and the disorganization. I, I wouldn't be a libertarianism or whatever <laughs> you would call it, because I think, as you pointed out, actually, on one of your podcasts, that there's certain things like healthcare that you probably... It, it's almost like a you need some sort of regulation around it to prevent maybe the profiteering around it. So I, I, I'd be more, and I suppose most people in Ireland and and the UK, I suppose, would be more kind of centrist and we're kind of more left-leaning. But kind of we, so when we hear things, when I hear things like libertarianism, I kind of think it's it's kind of coming out of the culture of, of USA, the kind yeah. of the freedom kind of movement. So The healthcare one's interesting because obviously I like the fact we have the NHS and um, anyone can get treated, but I also recognize it's deeply flawed and deeply inefficient and deeply bureaucratic. I don't think the US system is, is a good example of a better system. Um, but I think you need competition to improve services. I volunteered after my mum died, I volunteered for the NHS and I saw how inefficient it was, but I also saw how brilliant some of the staff are. And I just think there's, there's like some kind of middle ground or, you know, and maybe some people should have the option. It's like, if you would like to pay for your health care and health insurance, you can have this. But if you don't want to, if you're healthy and want to take the risk, you do this. And, and one of the, the unfair things about, you know, and people think this is brutal when you talk about this or you're mean or you're selfish. But, you know, if you are somebody who pays a lot of tax and a lot of uh, national insurance, you're also paying for people who make poor life choices in terms of drugs and drink and smoking. And if you have a more open and fair insurance-based system, there's incentives to live a healthier life. Because if you're paying for your health, if you know if you smoke or you drink too much, your health insurance is going to cost a lot more, then you have a personal incentive to live a better life. So I can see there's good arguments for both sides. Um, and I, I don't fully know what my position is. Um, but I certainly think more competition within healthcare is a good thing. Yeah, well, well I just think your your point of view seems to be quite nuanced whatever final position you take you're kind of weighing up the different possibilities where was when i hear the libertarianism <laughs> sorry i still can't say that word properly when i hear that perspective it's no anti-government black and white kind of don't want any government involvement that's when i kind of think maybe there's some people personally in the bitcoin community that i don't um have similar viewpoints to i'm kind of more of a i try to think of myself as a more nuanced kind of trying to see the different sides of, of the story type of guy. But that's probably me thinking I'm great <laughs> or something. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question because even if you compare it to Iron Maiden, like you're, you're both fans, trainers are fan of Iron Maiden, there's a clear Iron Maiden fan culture. Uh, trainer, what, would, could I throw that over to you to maybe explain? I, that? I, I don't know where you're going with this too, but yeah, but we discussed <laughs> it on the last episode. I was just saying, I don't know. Have you seen them live, Peter? Have you gone to see Iron Maiden live? I, you know what? I'm a big Maiden fan of not a particular album, but particular songs. Like one of the first songs I ever bought was, uh, is it Holy Smoke? When I was a kid and I bought, I've still got it, like seven inch vinyl and it's got their autographs etched into it. And then the first CD I ever bought was Somewhere in Time. Um, big, big fan of Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, but they're one of the bands who've got too many albums, right? So if I'm going to listen to Maiden, I'm going to listen to a best of or a live show, like the live in Rio show and listen to Fear of the Dark and with the whole crowd singing it. 
but trying to remember if I've seen them, I think I saw them at Donington once a year, but I can't remember. Fair enough. Uh, so we were just discussing on the last episode how there's a very nice culture around Iron Maiden. I've just mentioned that I can go to a gig and I can make two new friends. And I hadn't found that at other concerts by other bands. And I could walk into a pub when there's an Iron Maiden gig going on and I could go and walk up to people. I would feel comfortable going up and talking to them. But maybe you'll bring us back to what you're uh, getting at there to me by asking that. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking like, I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's like that in Bitcoin, if there's like a, a is the community in Bitcoin sort of divided between different kind of Austrian economics, libertarianism, uh, kind of more moderate, moderate kind of centrist people. Like, I don't know if there's a core universal Bitcoin culture. Is it because it's money and it's too diverse? I don't know. Yeah, we all fucking um, hate each other. We just <laughs> fight, fight and argue. Yeah, because like, there's almost like this uh, spectrum of how, like how hardcore of a Bitcoin person are you? Like, because... There are some people who are for absolute privacy, no government, hard hardcore Bitcoin people who insist you should run a node, support the network, certain kind of businesses are immoral, blah, blah, blah. I'm not there. And then you get on the other end of the spectrum, people are into all kinds of cryptocurrencies, even the bollock stuff, which is just just dumb. And then I would say I'm kind of in the middle. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to bridge the gap, trying to bring people into the world of Bitcoin, but I'm I'm not the... I'm not the best representative of Bitcoin in terms of like certain things you should really care about or do. Um, I don't, I don't consider my own privacy enough and I know I should, but I just don't. Um, so you get fights around things like that. I mean, four or five of the biggest Bitcoiners have me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's just, I suppose it's when you find something new, it's like, something that you, you become really interested in you want to think that other people interested in it have the same viewpoint as you like and i, could, and I was just kind of drawing the comparison with iron maiden like the the fans seem to i, I don't know about iron maiden fan culture trainer but you were saying yeah, i don't know it mightn't be a great comparison to, i was just saying overall in if i were to go to a gig or overall i would feel welcome but from your answer peter i'm getting that if you were at a convention about bitcoin and you walked into the pub beforehand you might not necessarily be making new friends you'd walk up to because they could be from could be from different corners of the whatever of the extremities uh, I, could be attacked what? yeah i've made some good friends in bitcoin that's a good way of saying it and i can go to any city and if i put on twitter oh, i'm i'm going to be in portland oregon like four or five people message me and say let's meet for a beer and everyone is so hospitable and it's brilliant i just think amongst maybe the more prominent known kind of voices there's there can be arguments but um i've been treated so well by people in Bitcoin. okay Very good. Okay, so we're going to move on to the final part of the podcast, which is the K for a kernel of truth. So a kernel of truth uh, is something that stood out to you. Maybe it could be something somebody else has said or something that, that you've learned along the way to do with podcasting or to do with Bitcoin that you would like to share with our listeners uh, on the feckin' check-in. So is there anything that comes to mind? A piece of wisdom or a quote? I mean, like, look, there's some basics in podcasting where you need to be consistent and patient. Just you're going to have to do probably at least a year to see any kind of like any progress. You'll see little progress, but it comes down from consistency and persistency. And also just, just working really hard. I know, I don't know about you, but I work really hard on mine. But the most important thing is I say to people is that podcasting isn't about booking an interview and just getting on and talking to somebody. You you can't just press record and hope to make a, a good show. You really have to consider it a craft and a skill that you work on. And I'm not saying I'm I'm particularly good at it, but but 
what I what I have done is I listened to a lot of other podcasts and I try and pick up on the things that I think they do to make an interview interesting and engaging. Um, you know, Joe Rogan is the master and he's a master because he's a great interviewer. You know, he's not elitist. He doesn't get into hardcore debates. He keeps things easy to understand. I've learned a lot of from him from that. Um, I've also tried to learn about the things that I don't do particularly well myself. I know certain interviews, if I turn up unprepared, it's not going to be a good interview, whereas others, I can do that. But I just think you have to treat it like a craft. If you want to be a tennis player, you've got to keep getting out there and serving and hitting balls. If you want to be a football player, you've got to keep kicking balls and training and playing games. If you want to be a runner, you've got to keep running. If you want to be a good podcaster, you've got to consider it a craft and keep working at it. Um, and I am, I'm always doing that. I'm always self-critical. I'm always trying to be a, just a, a best interviewer that I can possibly be. And that isn't if – if people like my interviews and they think I do a good job, it isn't by chance. I've worked at it. Like I've really, really fucking worked at it. Okay. So – Keep, keep keep persistent. Don't give up in the early days, especially, uh, and just keep working at your craft. You, you, the year is a, is a milestone. Do you think, or is it just a rough time frame? You think it takes? I think like most people apparently give up in the first kind of is it six to ten episodes. A lot of people give up because they do it and they're like twenty people listen. This is bullshit, and they just give up. Um, I don't know any you know unless you're like Michelle Obama who's just released hers. I don't think you get overnight success. It's a long, long grind i mean joe rogan's killing it right now but he was doing it for 10 11 years i don't know how long tim ferris was um yeah you know, i i i mean i've just done my stats for last month and the bitcoin show did two hundred eighty-five thousand downloads which is really cool i'm so happy with that but that's nearly three years of grinding it out working 70 hour weeks flying around the world hustling working on my website like just working hard yeah and that tells it, like you, you've said, you're, you, you don't consider yourself a, a particularly good podcaster, but you obviously are. You're the, the number one uh, Bitcoin podcaster in the world, and I, I think a great interviewer. And I think I really like Thank that you, you no, no problem. And I, I think I really like that you welcome on different people with different opinions, and you always kind of take that, that neutral stance, that kind of inter- interviewer style in the middle. Mm. And you kind of you, you welcome everybody and hear what they have to say, even some of the people who just keep talking at you. <laughs> Peter Schiff. <laughs> yeah, basically. But there's been other people like you can tell they just want to get their opinion across and they're quite can be quite defensive. Yeah. But you seem to disarm them. Is, is that that seems to be something you you you, you might have worked on as well, is it? Or, uh, or is that just your normal personality, I wonder, is it? Or, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I can be confrontational like on twitter people say like i'm different on twitter than person i think also the the americans don't get kind of british irish humor and banter but um i think i think naturally i think if i bumped into you into a pub and you said hello we'd probably sit there and talk for an hour or two like i can be i can let talk to anyone i've always been that type of person you know the kids when we go on holiday i'll just start talking to people and and, and chat away so i am that kind of person but at the same time I don't get people on to debate them. I get them on to do an interview. And I think they're two different things. I think a debate, you, you, you want to challenge somebody on something. I think on an interview, you want to talk to somebody about something. And you might throw some challenges in there, but but you're, you're trying to create a piece of entertainment for people. And it needs an arc to it. Um, and I think you have to welcome on and, and respect guests, even if you don't like them or agree with them. But also, if you treat somebody respectfully, you can ask maybe some of the tougher questions. 
that you don't agree with them. But if you just go in combative, you're just going to end up having a fight, and I, I, it might get you know, it might get some interest. But I just don't think that's a, a good long term strategy. Yeah, I, I think it's just that there's an art in in debating and making it comfortable for the the guest, where you're not they they don't feel that you're attacking them, and you seem to have gotten that down to a T. I would say. Um, so yeah, thank you, appreciate. Well it. done for that. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, we're we're probably coming towards the end of the show, and just one more thing to 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 throw on you, just put you on the spot, Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually finish the show with a song of the week. Um, and so this is like a song that m- maybe means something to you or maybe it's a song you've been listening to recently. Um, and we usually talk about that song for a little bit and then we just kind of play out on that song. So uh, is there any song that, that kind of comes to mind for you? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. This is, this is my, this is my, this is my song. I will go for wake up by rage against the machine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Don't know it. Do I do, yeah, it? I do, yeah. It's a well-known Rage Against the Machine song. All right. Have you ever seen uh, the film The Matrix? I have seen The Matrix yeah. when it was out, so yes. 20 years ago. So it plays out at the end. I think it's a, this part two. It's the end track. It might be the first part, but I think it's part two. Okay, yeah. There was a lot of talk about Rage Against the Machine online recently, people completely misinterpreting their lyrics and their message. And there was a famous tweet that was retweeted a lot where somebody was like, uh, one of the members of Rage Against the Machine, maybe it was Tom Morello, I can't remember, but he was like mentioning his stance on politics. And uh, one so, a, a Twitter person was like, uh, well, if you guys are going to bring politics into the, mix, into the mix, then I just don't want to listen anymore. <laughs> and people were absolutely slaughtering this guy. Well, of course, it's like, have you not listened to them? Yeah, exactly. What did you think the machine was that they were raging against? I think somebody said, which <laughs> to put it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. That was a literal machine. Uh, and why does, does, does that song have a personal meaning to you, Peter? Well, I'm a massive Rage Against the Machine fan. Um, I think that album has really stood the test of time. I mean, we're, what, 25 years? It's still brilliant. It's one of those rare records where every single song is good. There isn't a filler. Um, I think they were an important band at the time, what they were doing. I think they're an important band now for what's going on in the world. Um, And also that kind of like the Matrix is that view into a dystopian future. And I think the writers of the Matrix knew what they were doing when they picked that song. And we are... We are heading to a weird dystopian future of AI, machine learning, authoritarian state. Um, I just think it's it's a right it's the right song for now. Yeah, and I think it is time to start raging against the machines before they take over the AI and all that. Nicely <laughs> <laughs> done, to me. Sorry. <laughs> yes, very smooth. <laughs> okay, that's going to bring it to the end of this week's episode. So thanks a million, Peter, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Loved it, man. Um, and we are going to play out the episode with Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine. So, Toomey, any final words for the listener? Just to say thank you so much to Peter. It's been an honour as a weekly listener to your uh, podcast. And I always close each show by saying feck off. So, feck off. (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys.